social media for beautiful food and inspiration. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We to get the fuck up on Kicking in, I hear we left playing, and you know it's time to head in. Alright, everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink. Spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me. Yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we want to do, what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is is that I don't think logically Stone to E take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rolly, you're the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want Sit back
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. This is a live show on Twitch every Friday, 8 p.m. Pacific. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media for those of you on the podcast. Um, just a couple quick announcements. Um, I don't know that we'll be doing an open panel tomorrow night, Saturday, but I will be spinning on the conduit, 10 p.m. Pacific. We might show up here on, on Twitch around 7.30 or 8, maybe play some games or talk with whoever wants to talk to us on the open panel, but maybe not, maybe not. Uh, earlier today, I did not do conspiracy bingo. I don't think that going forward, I'll be able to do much conspiracy bingo on Fridays, Friday afternoon, just because work's like picking up a little bit. And uh, my day job, I actually do need to make money at that here. Uh, y'all could fix that, though, of course. Of course, by showering me with money, y'all could fix that. <clears throat> Otherwise, also important, if you enjoyed the uh, Humanist Community Silicon Valley Sunday Forum, you were showing up here Sunday morning for that. That will still be broadcast, but it won't be broadcast here anymore. It'll be broadcast on the Silicon Valley Humanist Forum, the Silicon Humanist of Silicon Valley Facebook page. I know most of the Twitch people don't use Facebook, but maybe some of the people listening to the podcast do. Um, again, it's just work stuff. I have <clears throat> looks like a like a recurring meeting with a, with a client, and they, the best time we could both figure out is Sunday at noon, and that cuts right into that. But otherwise, uh, the big show is coming up Sunday. The Plex at 7 p.m. Pacific. It will always be 7 p.m. Pacific. Meltdown Monday has moved to 6 p.m. on Mondays because the media wench got herself a new job job and her schedule switched around a little bit. And uh, I guess that's it. So down ballot kind of like sprung out of the Sunday show because we found ourselves doing a lot of local news on that show and it made it so that we just didn't have time for basically for the hour podcast format to do everything we wanted to do. So we spun off uh, the local news into its own podcast. Uh, usually I'm joined by the councilman and he's off having adventures tonight, I think. So uh, it's just me. I'll be joined by the media once during the post game. We're going to be watching a really bad documentary from Redding, California. Probably some anti-mask stuff. I don't know anything about it. I just know who's making it. Neither me nor the media wench have watched a single frame of it because we want to watch it here with you all. So the first segment on down ballot is always the leading off segment, which seems apropos. What happened, what had happened was this week there was a, a pilot flying out of San Jose or maybe into San Jose, but I think he was flying out of the San Jose airport. He had a few choice things to say about the Bay Area. I haven't listened to this because I knew we were going to fucking do it for down ballot. So here is a pretty bad still of Dan Ashley from uh, ABC 7 News here. Uh, here's the uh, local news hit on it. A Southwest Airlines pilot was caught on a hot mic making an expletive-filled rant against the Bay Area broadcast on a radio frequency. Now, this audio has since gone viral, catching the attention of the FAA. ABC 7 News reporter Amanda Tell Castillo explains that at the time, the unidentified pilot was taxiing for departure at Mineta San Jose International Airport. As we say in television, the mic is always hot. A lesson for an unidentified Southwest Airlines pilot clearly peeved at the Bay Area. While taxiing for departure at Mineta San Jose International Airport last week, he took shots at the region with generalizations from guns to cars. At one point, someone even tried to get his attention. Hyundai's? Why Hyundai? While his tirade wasn't broadcast to passengers, travelers say the audio is concerning. I think I'd maybe be worried that he was drunk or, or, uh, or. I don't know, out of his mind, maybe. I think it's a good thing that the aircraft did not hear that because I would be very scared to hear a, a pilot saying that, especially with 
everything that's been going on. Councilman Raul Perales, whose district encompasses downtown San Jose and the airport, calls the comments disheartening, especially coming from a pilot with the city's largest air carrier. It's one thing to be hearing people's authentic uh, opinions. Um, I think they're entitled to, again, those opinions. I think in this case, this person is completely generalizing and completely wrong. Southwest Airlines says the comments made by the pilot are inconsistent with company culture. They plan to deal with the matter internally. The FAA says its regulations actually prohibit pilots from talking about anything other than safely conducting their flight while taxiing and while flying below 10,000 feet altitude. Additionally, the FAA says it is currently investigating what was communicated by that airline pilot. They say they've been in touch with the airline. In San Jose, I'm Amanda Del Castillo, ABC 7 News. I don't understand, like, the thing, like, okay, whatever, yeah, there's a bunch of liberals here in San Jose. I ain't gonna fucking, I ain't gonna fucking pretend it's not a, like, a lefty place, right? It's a pretty lefty place. The Bay Area is known for being pretty lefty, but what the fuck was the Hyundai? The fuck? A Hyundai? I thought it would be, like, a hybrid or something if he was talking about a car. Maybe a Volvo, because he thought maybe a lot of lesbians were here or something, but a Hyundai? They probably all drive Hyundais? I mean, is there something, is there, is Hyundai like associated with the left? Are they comrades? Like what, what the, yeah, that was just such a weird, I don't even think, yeah, like Chet's saying, I don't think they make electric cars. Their cars tend to be fuel efficient because they're small. And there's a weird fucking automaker to pick to like associate with the Bay Area. You'd think you would have said Priuses or something or Teslas or something. You but no, no, it was Hyundai's. Okay, okay, dude, fine. People here drive Hyundai's, whatever. Well, that was leading off. Our next segment, our favorite segment is winners and losers, because there's usually no winners. And if there are winners, it's not the person you were rooting for in winners and losers. But in this case, I think we do have a story where somebody that we like won. We're going to say that a maskless man gets a little taste of a downtown San, a San Francisco business charm. The owner of a San Francisco bakery took matters into his own hands when a customer allegedly assaulted him. It happened Saturday at the Brioche Bakery and Cafe in North Beach. Surveillance video here showing a man walking in. He doesn't have a mask on. A worker asks him to put one on. He starts shouting expletives and he punches a display case. Then he starts throwing punches at Edson Garcia, the man who owns that bakery. And you can see Garcia eventually manages to take the man down. Boom! Right Get him! Outside the store. That's what I kept saying. I tried to be, uh, pushing him. I've been waiting for these twisted T moments. Punch. He punched me like this. And I, almost, I almost knocked down. I almost pissed out. And then I push him out. When I push him out, when I push him out, he swim again over here. He held the man down until police could get there, and you see they got there. The moral of the story is stay away from this cafe if you want to commit a crime. Garcia also <laughs> made headlines a few years back by chasing a thief who had just stolen a woman's purse. I knew these these were coming. These um, we'll, call, we'll call them like twisted tea moments where somebody like goes into one of these businesses without a mask and then gets shitty with people. And instead of them being like, oh, could you could you please be kind? Could you please be nicer? kinder and nicer please eventually nah this was they were, they were bound to start seeing this i don't know if he came in with a dog but he came without a mask and then started yelling at people because he's a fucking dick and good on that business owner i don't really you know whatever we, we can't endorse violence around here but on the other hand like a dude swings on you at your at your business fucking tackle his ass fuck it like 
It was bullshit. I don't know, man. Seemed like, but again, like the problem with this is we don't know. Like, was that person who was in the business, were they having some kind of crisis that we're unaware of? Like, I don't know, but it's just like, eventually this stuff was just, it was going to, this was what we're going to start seeing. I'm surprised we didn't start seeing it sooner. But it's also no surprise that it's happening at small businesses and not at like big corporate places because you'd lose your job if you did that at a big corporate place. But this guy owns the business, so he's not going to get fired for it. Next story in winners and losers is uh, looks like somebody intentionally ran into a homeless encampment in Santa Rosa, California. That's the North Bay here. Encampment killing one person. Santa Rosa police say this happened on Roberts Avenue after a fight between two different individuals and investigators are now releasing the name of their suspect. KTVU's Candace Charles has the story. Santa Rosa police are now confirming that this deadly crash killing a sleeping woman in this homeless encampment. Oh, no. We have been meeting with witnesses. We had our field evidence technicians uh, combing the scene itself for any additional evidence. Around 10 Tuesday night, Santa Rosa police responded to a crash at this homeless encampment along Roberts Avenue and found a woman pinned under her car. She was pronounced dead at the scene. We're still trying to determine the exact motivation that drove that led him to driving through that tent. Police say that the incident began with a fight between two men from the homeless encampment. We do know that the two male subjects that got into the initial fight do know each other. Um, they all know each other through potentially the homeless community, but we're not exactly sure what caused the argument. Investigators later found that the assailant came back after the fight and found the male victim standing next to the woman and ran into both of them, injuring the man's leg and killing the woman. Police are now looking for this man, Clifford Adams, who's in his 40s and currently at large. I don't believe he's armed and dangerous, but obviously don't contact him. If you see him, contact the police department and we'll go do the arrest. Police are currently working to identify the woman. She had many friends at the homeless encampment, but police are now looking for family and are asking for your help in trying to find Adams. If you know anything at all about this incident, you're asked to call Santa Rosa PD. I'm Candace Charles reporting for KTVU, Fox 2 News. So, um, you know, I don't watch these stories before we run them. I thought, I didn't think that first that it was going to be like a dispute between the people at the camp. I thought somebody just fucking, like when I read the headlines, somebody just didn't like uh, the unhoused and plowed into the fucking homeless encampment. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's rough enough out there if you don't have somewhere to stay and, um, and somebody drives a fucking car into the tents in the homeless encampment. That's, that's some shit. That's like the most defenseless people in our society, essentially, are people who are asleep in a tent on the side of the road or if they're in a park or by the, by a Creek or in just some kind of, some kind of encampment for the unhoused. Those are certainly the people in our society who are um, at the most risk anyway. And so like, Oh man, I don't know. Don't plow a car into anybody. I don't know if you have a dispute with somebody, just walk the fuck away. Cause otherwise you end up at large. Um, that's a pretty fucking depressing story. Local news around here has been pretty depressing lately, to be to be honest. Um, here's uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag on this next story. Uh, San Francisco Pride. <clears throat> you would be able to like if you look through our podcast schedule for the last like basically since we started the podcast, you would notice there was never a Sunday show the last uh, the last weekend of July because we would all be out at SF Pride, drinking, maybe taking some MDMA, 
um, smoking some weed, having some good, having a good time being with the community. Sometimes I was able to DJ at SF pride. That was pretty fucking cool. A couple times I got to do that. And, uh, but you noticed last year we did a show that day because while well, there was no SF pride was there this year, it looks like they're going to have some festivities and they're going to have even some in-person festivities, but they're not going to have a parade. And I'm, they're probably encouraging people like me not to go out to the city for it. We'll see what's, ha- we'll see what's going on in July though. I may very well go out to the city for pride weekend. Even if I, even if it's not about the, the SF pride, I may just get like an Airbnb or something, just hang out in the city for pride weekend, see what's going on. So here's a local news hit about what is and isn't happening, at, at least as we as we know it now. It is the highlight of the year for the Bay Area's LGBTQ plus community. For everybody. Hundreds of thousands to the city by the bay. For a second year in a row now, the San Francisco Pride Parade and celebration won't be happening because of COVID-19, and that announcement came today. I'm hoping everyone gets the vaccine so everyone can be together and actually have a real Pride Parade again. Gatherings of that type of scope and magnitude just aren't really uh, in the cards for this year. Instead, organizers for San Francisco Pride are planning smaller ticketed in-person events. The organization is teaming up with an LGBTQ plus film festival and the San Francisco Giants to host two movie nights at Oracle Park. That will be assigned seating, socially distanced, ticketed events so that folks can come out and enjoy something to celebrate pride in a way that's safe. I would like to see it come back to normal. On the eve of Juneteenth, Pride will also partner with the African American Art and Culture Complex for an event there. And then finally, a third event for the LGBTQ plus businesses that have struggled during the pandemic. Organizers explain it'll be an expo at Civic Center to allow vendors and merchants to reconnect with the community face to face. We're really excited to uh, unveil all of these really exciting events throughout the month of June, which is slightly different than usual when we focus completely on the last weekend of June. More information on the events and how to get tickets will be available on the SF Pride website. And organizers say they're also considering more events. They hope to make those announcements soon. Anusha Rasta, NBC Bay Area News. Hey, SF Pride people, hit up Echoplex Media. We'll do a, we'll do a fucking, we'll do an online party on Twitch for SF Pride. I think we could do a good job on that. Get some performers. It'd be super easy. Everybody just performs from their house. I think we can pull it off. Can't do some DJs though. Try not to get my channel pulled, but that's what the conduits for. Um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Like the pictures of like the Castro were a bummer because I haven't been to the Castro in over a year. And I fucking love the Castro. There's super good restaurants. Like it's fairly safe at night to go out. I mean, it's not really not safe in most cities to go out, but the Castro is like, I don't know. It's just extra safe. And like, I don't know. You might get lucky. You know, <clears throat> here, if I go to the bars here, I like know everybody. And I'm like, I'm not trying to get lucky with all these people. I already know. I would like to get lucky with somebody I've never met. Thank you very much. Um, but next year for sure. Pride is going to be amazing. It's going to be so packed. So fucking packed because it'll have been two years without it. And I will be there all fucking weekend. In fact, maybe by this time next year, I might be living in San Francisco if the rent keeps going down. And that'll bring us to uh, our segment, SF Get Your Shit Together. Rent may continue to go down because uh, there's a lot of empty office space in San Francisco. Maybe the city will reconsider uh, whether or not to allow people to live in some of these warehouse spaces, which I would very much myself like. 
Well, as far as making it in the Bay goes this morning, the good news, rent prices are still dropping across the Bay Area. And not just apartments, but more office spaces are also sitting empty. Today in the Bay, Sharon Katsuda, she's live for us in San Francisco this morning. And Sharon, I've got to steal some of your thunder here because the reports say that in San Francisco, the amount of offices up for lease right now could fill up the Salesforce Tower 11 times over. That's pretty wild. That is wild, Marcus. And take a look. It's right behind us in this perfect view of it. You can see how massive this Salesforce Tower is. And this story really affects all of us, whether you live in the suburbs or here in the city. Now, the San Francisco Chronicle reports there's so much vacant office space now due to the pandemic that the office spaces up for lease could fill, as you said, 11 Salesforce Towers. And there's talk about whether that office space should be turned into apartment units. This would, of course, require city leaders to pass new legislation to allow that. But after the dot-com boom and bust, this was a step taken. So it's possible we could see a move in this direction. Still, the Chronicle reports, though, holding on to office space may be more lucrative to building owners if and when there's a comeback after the pandemic. And you can see rental prices for apartments have dropped. New data from the rental website, Zumper, took a look at rent on one-bedroom apartments, and it continues to plummet. Rent is down 32% in Sunnyvale from a year ago. In Santa Clara and Redwood City, it's down 29%, followed by 24% here in San Francisco, 20% in Oakland, and 18% in San Jose. And of course, home and rental prices for apartments in the suburbs have gone up because more people are heading to those areas to work from home. Reporting live in San Francisco, I'm Sharon Katsuda, Today in the Bay. Yeah, there a lot of people were talking about how folks were leaving San Francisco to leave the entire state of California. And there's some evidence that some of the people from San Francisco have actually come to my neck of the woods, the South Bay, where there's like single family homes that can be purchased and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see. I do hope some of the uh, office spaces, especially some of them fucking small warehouse spaces become available for lease for like residential, because man, would it be nice to have like a little loft upstairs and like some warehouse space downstairs to build out a proper fucking studio and play music hell fucking loud hell fucking loud well i mean as loud as my little speakers well i'd buy bigger speakers but as loud as you know as loud as like not a concert system but as you know as loud like loud loud like a house party loud so you know i'm hoping that happens i would love to move back to the city and it'd be super cool to like live like way south of market like where um all the raves are and where there's like a lot of industrial and office space that would be a super cool area to live and i hope that happens because Man, if I could move back to the city, that'd be great. Especially, like I said, I could have a little bit of fucking, a little bit of warehouse space or a little big open loft or something to do what I'm doing here instead of it being in a spare bedroom in an apartment. Uh, shout out to my neighbors, by the way. They never fucking complain. And uh, one of them is even a listener to the Sunday show. So, haven't heard him laughing from upstairs yet, but uh, maybe one day we will. So, we're going to move on to Down Ballot Watch. This is where we take a look at local politics. Uh, and our first story is out of San Francisco. This is a labor story. Looks like uh, hundreds of San Francisco janitors are um, they're on strike for a couple of days for uh, safer working conditions. 
Happening now, janitors in San Francisco today walking off the job. Hundreds of janitors striking outside of several buildings in the city, like the Salesforce Tower, demanding safer working conditions. That strike expected to last three days. This comes after an eight-month-long stalemate in real estate business, businesses who own buildings in the city and failed to negotiate and during those negotiations reach a new contract. Supervisor Matt Haney also joining that strike in solidarity saying that as restrictions are easing these janitors are important to combating COVID-19. We're excited that San Francisco is starting to reopen now in the orange tier but these buildings and these companies and, and our entire city infrastructure and economy does not work without the janitors the people who actually clean these buildings that keep us safe and I think it's important that right now we stand with them. Now, in less than an hour, the groups will gather for a rally in the financial district on California Street. So, you know, like people who do manual labor are always getting the short end of the stick. And in COVID, again, a lot of them got the short end of the stick. Either they lost their jobs because, especially custodians, like if the place isn't open, they don't need people to clean it as often, if at all. And so, you know, those people are sent home. And now apparently, you know, they're, as things are starting to open up, the people who work those jobs are concerned for their, for their own safety, it seems. Concerned about, you know, not, basically, maybe probably not enough PPE, just not enough stuff to protect from, the, from COVID-19. And, uh, you know, I kind of hope they get what they want. Uh, good on one of those local leaders for being out there, even if it's just a photo op, right? Because it's like, a, you know, it's some... Maybe the, maybe the news doesn't show up if the, if the city council person doesn't show up. So we're going to move on down to San Jose. This is another story that involves a city council. This is the San Jose city council is thinking about displacing homeless encampments because they're too close to schools. Um, we did a story on this last week and one of the complaints that they had was, oh, the kids have to see this. And it's like, dude, do you think the kids don't know there are unhoused people living in San Jose? So I don't know, like if, if like the richest city in, in the country, San Jose is the richest city in the country, uh, mostly due to some of the businesses that call this place home, can't fucking figure out a, a way to give, get these people like a, a fucking roof over their head. The least they can do is not uproot the, uproot the community once they like plant their flag somewhere or whatever. Like, this is all a big fucking mess, and it's all ridiculous. Like, I don't live in the city of San Jose proper, but, I mean, I live, I walk to the city of San Jose. And with from within five miles of where I'm sitting, there's probably five billionaires, ten billionaires, maybe. And I just think that we could maybe do something about this. But, nope, we're just worried about, like, our, oh, what about the children? What about the children? The kids are fine. The unhoused are going to leave the fucking kids alone. This is all fine. But let's see what the local news hit about this looks like. I'm sure it won't be won't be my position, and they probably won't even, you know, mention the plight of the unhoused very much. They tend not to do that on the news around here. Alum Rock schools will open up their hybrid models on April 12th, and that is leaving many of its principals very concerned. 
There's been ones across the way over here. The principal at Madsen Middle School gave us a quick tour of what his students will walk through when schools reopen next month. There were two shelters up there, and now there's five or six, and there's additional shelters down, along, down further along the creek. Shepherd's school principal says she shares the same concern with the encampment that popped up in the last few months across the street from her school. And we don't always know the mental health of people who are occupying those encampments, and our kids certainly don't need to encounter and learn that the hard way. So after lobbying from at least two school districts, the mayor is asking the city council tonight to allow encampment cleanups near schools. If they're near schools or other areas where there's a public safety concern, then we're going to obviously ask them to move. And if they don't move, we'll have to we'll have to abate. And scare tactics and making homeless people boogeymen. Homeless advocates point out the pandemic and the housing crisis created oh, more homelessness and accuses the city and schools of using the unhoused as scapegoats. Residents don't want homeless people near schools. They were near schools before COVID and they're there now. But schools oh, say they have one main objective. And my responsibility and priority is to assure the safe arrival of students every day. An issue with no perfect solutions set to come to a head tonight. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. I mean, I don't know. Are there any, are there any instances of the, the unhoused population harming the students as the students walk to and from school? Like, like, is this a problem? Like, that would be the question I would ask. Like, when these people start talking about this, I'd be like, well, do we have problems with the unhoused community doing anything? Have you know? Have there been instances of? Have there been any kind of instances around this? Is this something we really need to worry about? Nobody like that news story didn't say anything about it. I don't know. I'm gonna guess the answer is probably no, because we'd be hearing the fuck out of it if the answer was yes. I think like I have to imagine most people who are unhoused want some level of help, and or they just want to be left the fuck alone. And um, you know maybe putting your encampment across the street from a school. I don't know. Maybe it's not the best look, but maybe if you're concerned for your own safety, maybe it's not the worst place to put your encampment. Cops patrol the schools. I don't know. I mean, cops aren't really making the homeless people safe, but I mean, as far as like obvious violent crime, like assault and stuff, the police will step in to stop it. Yeah. I don't know. It's the San, the, the homeless problem in San Jose is, is actually a pretty big fucking deal. Um, the rebels camp second album one of one of my favorite albums from a local artist is the al the album's called intense city and we play a song called intense city and it sort of talks about you know what what it it must be like because the you know the 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 songwriter hasn't been in that position as far as i know but what it must be like to be you know living in in these communities and being being displaced constantly and you know I understand that these are, you know, tents and stuff, and it's not like there's a, you're upping the foundation of a house, but it's, you know, once you're somewhere for a while, you kind of get used to it. And then if you have to leave, then you like, don't know, like, are the neighbors here going to harass me? Am I going to get more shit from the police here because the neighbors are calling all the time? Are there people in this neighborhood who might fucking want to do me harm to try to get rid of me? You don't know any of that. And so like, I don't know, it boggles my mind that, that this city, like this city, you're watching this on a website. I don't know if Twitch started in San Jose, maybe San Francisco, but it started right here in the fucking Bay Area in Silicon Valley. Um, 
you know, PayPal's here, eBay's here. And it just boggles my mind that all this fucking money is here and we can't find any of it to put a roof over these fucking people's heads. It boggles my fucking mind. I can't, I can't even wrap my head around like how this comes to be because it's just fucking money. It's like, we can take some of it from these businesses that are making billions of dollars and put some roofs over some people's heads and it would make the fucking, it would make the community better. Not just for the people whose roof, they've got a roof over their head. My life would be better. Everybody's fucking life would be better. The community would be better. More people would be happy. People who need, you know, m- people who uh, need mental health services would get mental health services. People who maybe are having a mental health crisis, but it's because they don't have a roof over their head. Maybe those people would no longer be having a, a mental health crisis and they'd be able to, you know, I don't know, feel more secure, more content, more, more stable, even, even if they can't find gainful employment, some of the people would find a job real quick, go, go and do real well because they have a place to shower. They have a place to fucking change their clothes, a place to sleep, get eight hours of fucking sleep on a bed every night. Like fixing this problem does more like I think down the road would be beneficial to a rich place like San Jose. I think that it would it would be, it would just be beneficial for everybody. Cause I think that, uh, you know, having, having the people in your community happy and healthy is good. And having the people in your community living with the anxiety of, of being unhoused and not being able to cop a shower for a job interview. That's bad. I don't know. I don't see like there are, <clears throat> of course there's, you know, Oh, you should be compassionate and try to do something for these people, especially if you're rich. But the other argument is like a purely selfish one. We're like, don't you want to live in a place where people are happy and healthy? Wouldn't you be happier and healthier in a place where everyone's happy and healthy or everyone is at least free of the burden of being unhoused? Wouldn't your community be better? I guess the people up on the fucking hill, which, which way is the hill? I think it's that way. The people on the fucking hill, that direction, don't give a fuck. Those people fucking house is worth more money than I'll probably ever, ever make ever, ever. But people who live in like, people who live in like downtown San Jose certainly care. I know it's really weird. I just wish we would do something about this other than like, oh, what are we going to do about this? Where are we going to send them? Where are we going to put them? They scare my kids. Like that's the wrong conversation to have around the unhoused community. I think that, um, I think that we could shift the conversation about like, well, what can we do to solve this problem in a more permanent way? And I don't mean by like shipping them off to another city like I hear Redding, California does, but I mean solve this in like a more permanent way, a more systemic way where people who, you know, get evicted from their apartment don't end up sleeping on the street because they know the date of their eviction and their services for them. And they essentially move from their apartment to other, another housing arrangement. I feel like there's just so much, there's so much more we can do, especially in a place with the finance, like basically with the economic engine of San Jose, I think we can do a lot. I think we can do a lot more with this, but it takes, it would take bold leadership and San Jose is not a place known for bold fucking leadership. So we're going to move up North of here, Northeast of here to Oakland. It looks like Oakland is going to launch a small, uh, universal basic income program for some of their residents. And we'll see how it goes. here's the local news hit about it. 
Let's take a live look now in Oakland, where more financial help could be on the way to families in Alameda County. Tomorrow, Mayor Schaaf will announce a pilot program that will send monthly payments to hundreds of families. The exact details of who qualifies, how much, and where that money is coming from have not been released yet. Again, she'll make the announcement tomorrow. The Guaranteed Income Pilot Program will be one of the largest in the country. That's pretty cool. I hope it works out. Uh, I hope the money comes from there's a district in Oakland called Montclair. Everybody who lives up there is fucking rich. I hope that's where the money comes from. I hope it comes from the top of the hill. Makes its way down to the flats because that's how I think money should flow. That's the real trickle down is when you tax everybody at the top of the hill to pay for everything in the flats, right? Um, it said hundreds of people, so I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on like basically the problems every city has where, you know, there's people who are living right on that edge and some people who, you know, don't have enough money to, you know, feed and, and house and clothe their family. Uh, but I think like doing anything is better than doing nothing as long as what you're doing isn't detrimental. And in this case, just straight up giving people money who are don't have money. It turns out that's the best way to tackle poverty is to give people who are in poverty more money because then they're not in poverty anymore. It's, it, it sounds, it sounds too simple and too good to be true or whatever, but that's literally like what the, what the social science on poverty says is that it's just direct payments to people who are in need is the best way to handle it. No strings attached. Don't, don't fucking make sure they're not buying booze. We should be able to buy a six pack of beer every few days if they want. Like it's just, if they're just a fucking person. And if a person wants to drink some fucking beer, they should be able to drink some fucking beer. Weed's legal. If that person wants to buy some weed, they should be able to buy some fucking weed. But they should all, more importantly, they should be able to meet their material needs. And the way to do that is fucking money. Housing vouchers just create like this elephantine bureaucracy. And then some places don't take the housing vouchers. You know what every place takes? Cash. Or, you know, a cashier's check or a money order. And if they know that you're on a UBI and that's the government backstopping you, then you're probably even more likely to qualify because they know that no matter what you're going to have, you know, some non insignificant portion of your rent covered just by virtue of having this UBI. But you know, for far too long, we've tried to do this the other way. We've tried to be like, Oh, well you're food insecure. Let's tackle the food thing by giving you food stamps. And like, that's great. Whatever better to have food stamps than not have food stamps. But what if that person is also rent insecure? And they could split that money that they would get from food stamps. If they could put half of it towards rent, they would you know, be in a, a, a position where they have less anxiety about whether or not they're going to be able to pay their rent, have to fucking put less, like have to take out less payday loans, payday loan, payday loan places are sharks and they should be fucking outlawed and you know, have to hit up your family less for money. Like that's fucking a little humiliating as an adult. I've had to do it a couple times in my adult life. Um, just direct payments. I don't understand like why we can't do this. I mean, there's welfare, but that's really hard to get like just direct cash payment welfare. And I feel like that should be the first way we deal with poverty. And then if we want to give people like food, you know, some kind of food credit on top of it. Great. Cool. But the first thing to do, first thing to do is either give these, give people fucking money or like some kind of housing guarantee or something like UBI would be like, would be cool. Um, but a housing guarantee would basically solve the same problem right if like no matter who you are you can get a studio apartment even if you're fucking not doing shit with your life like that would be good that'd be very good and you just go find a studio you know you just go to the studio apartment they just assign you one 
like it's you know maybe you don't like it but whatever it's you know it's a place to live but no we don't do this and it's it's <clears throat> the problem i have with some of the discourse around it too is that uh, like andrew yang's plan for example he would have been replacing other services with the ubi and that's bad like if somebody is getting some kind like medicaid or medicare replacing it with ubi just means they give that money to like a health insurance company and then they're either right back where they started or maybe they're even behind where they were when they were getting medicaid or medic yeah medicaid because it maybe the sh maybe the insurance is fucking more more than the ubi you've given them or it eats up so much of the ubi that they're like that it doesn't that the ubi doesn't work and then then somebody like me who would just be able to pocket that money is just going to get just going to get ahead of the person who really needs the help and so like i the the way we've talked about ubi has been kind of kind of shitty and it's kind of andrew yang's fault he gave away the fucking game on um ruben when ruben asked him about that and he said yeah it's going to get rid of some of the other social programs we have it's like well no that's bad but i don't think the oakland ubi i don't think the I don't think that's what's going to happen there because Oakland isn't the entity providing many of the other services that people are getting. Those other services are probably county, more likely state or federal, most likely from the state of California. And so I don't think that those things will be replacing uh, services that folks are getting. So that sounds good. Um, I wish they could do more, but it's a city. They have, you know, limited resources. Cities can go bankrupt. So, you know, good on Oakland for at least trying it. We'll, and we'll keep an eye on that one. So that's our entire that's the entirety of down ballot watch and usually at the at the end of the show we do a little bit of a human interest story something kind of good story this is and another thing uh this is a uh, in japantown san jose there's a like resident patrols kind of trying to make sure the streets are safe for uh, asian folks who have been victims of a uh, hate crimes so here's a uh, yet again a local news hit on that San Jose, Japantown is a quiet, tight-knit community where crime is a rare occurrence, but leaders here say they certainly know by now that an attack can happen anywhere, and they need to be ready. Seniors in San Jose's J-Town know about racism. Many were interned during World War II. Now the community is preparing to deal with the recent Asian attacks. Following San Francisco and Oakland citizen patrols walking its Chinatowns, longtime San Jose police officer Rich Saito is recruiting volunteers who will roam Japantown in red vests to deter potential attackers. And on his group webpage, Japantown Prepared will begin training anyone interested on Zoom Saturday morning. Morning. The really important part is, is the scrutiny, the eyes on the community. We're going to be looking for behaviors that basically indicate that the person's a predator. One group especially great Ooh, I don't know about this. is the Japantown Senior Center. Now that I have fucking, that a cop's running it and they're going to be going around like looking for odd behavior, I have a feeling some of the people, I have a feeling some of our unhoused neighbors here in San Jose are going to suffer some wrath from this. I hope people are careful. I hope people are fucking very like thoughtful in how they do this. Otherwise, this could just end up being like a mob. Center UI Kai. It can give you the proper tools and skills on how to handle the situation and not escalate. You're going to take the training yourself? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm actually signed up for it. 
Along with recruiting patrol volunteers, there was another Stop the Hate rally Saturday at San Jose City Hall at noon. Then on Sunday, the group that formed the Chinatown Patrols, United Peace Collaborative, will hold a safety workshop on its Facebook page for the community at large. They're concerned for their mothers, their fathers, their relatives, um, even ourselves. You just don't know who might be a potential victim. So what's really important is that we empower ourselves. The various strategies from citizen patrols to public safety forums certainly will help the community to be more aware and prepared. In San Jose, Robert Honda, NBC, Bay Area News. Yeah, that shit that they said about somebody like acting like like suspiciously or like they might be a predator, that gave me that gave me like a little bit of pause and a little bit of the heebie-jeebies because I feel like I feel like folks who are folks who need some kind of help or who just act weird whatever the fuck that means are now are like now potentially going to be like hassled by people who are like just people who are roaming the streets cuz i don't i'm like i'm like really 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 of two minds on this i understand I understand why they want to do it and i think it could be done responsibly but the fact that the person one of the main organizers is a cop like makes me feel weird and yeah, I just don't like the idea of like, oh, people acting erratically or, or bizarrely are going to be like now considered to be a threat just because they're acting weird. I don't know. I, I that that gives me some. I just have some weird, weird feelings about that. Anyway, I guess we're going to end down ballot a little bit early tonight. Don't worry. If you're watching live, hang out. We're going to be doing some uh, conspiracy bingo, and when the media wench. Uh, gets done with dinner and stuff. She'll be here and we're going to be watching some documentary out of uh, Redding, California by some uh, anti-mask, we'll call them anti-mask friends of ours, I suppose. Let's see. What's the name of this thing here? Oh, it's called the red, white, and blueprint. We're going to be watching during the post game. Um, folks who are checking out the podcast, maybe you'll be able to check out our coverage of the red, white, and blueprint on YouTube. If not, you can always catch the replay of, of this show, the entire replay of it on Twitch. Um, you just go to videos. We don't delete our replays um, unless there's reason to delete our replays, of course. And uh, yeah, you can check out anything. That's also like if patrons, if you don't, you know, you don't got five bucks a month or don't want to spend five bucks a month, that's a way around it. This has been Down Ballot. Thanks everybody for hanging out. I usually do this with the councilman be these uh, on adventures this evening. So thanks chat for hanging out. I know it was a uh, I know it's uh, you know, not our usual fare around here, but I really like doing this show, and I actually learn a lot about what's going on in the Bay Area by doing this show. So uh, we'll be back next week, of course, 8 p.m. Pacific for Down Ballot. The council going to be joining me again next week, and we may have a special guest. We'll, set, we'll have to see about that. I'm talking to a, a local, local reporter of sorts. And so, yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm going to get myself a fucking beverage. I got myself a really good stout from a local brewery from my... Uh, my favorite liquor store here and we're going to run in tent city it's by the rebels camp and it's about being unhoused in san jose i'll be we'll be right back and uh i'm i appreciate that you appreciate them missy maserati i appreciate that all of you hang out for this like i said this is like not our usual uh fair this is in tent city by the rebels camp and when i come back i think i'll have turned the lights red in here and i'll have this amazing modern time stout that I really like.